Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, the Swansea City podcast. Uh, I am Gittar Llewellyn and with me this evening is Steve Carroll. How are you, Steve? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Matt is unable to join us um, tonight, unfortunately, so you'll have to make do with just the two of us. Hopefully, we can keep uh, the entertainment levels high enough to uh, sustain your uh, attention. Uh, We've got an FA Cup match to uh, look back at this week. Very exotic. Steve, um, we, we spoke last week about, you know, the fact that we should beat Stevenage, um, really. <laughs> uh, you know, when it, when a team at the top end of the championship goes up against a team at the bottom bottom end of League Two, you want it to be um, a straightforward victory, really, with no no kind of banana skins in sight. Is, is that what we got? Yeah, to be fair, um, obviously we couldn't have had a better start, really, um, could we, with that early goal to settle things down nicely. I don't think it was our best performance, if I'm uh, being honest. I mean, Steelers did have a few chances to end uh, towards the end of um, of the first half, and obviously there was the uh, you know the penalty late on and and that type of thing. But I mean, the, the early goal is always uh, you know very nice in those type of games because that's why you usually uh, you just want to get that just to take the sting out of things. I mean. If there was a crowd, I think an early goal would be even more important because it just flattens them as well, really. But, um, yeah, I don't think there was ever any real danger from us, although I wouldn't say it was the most convincing performance, if that makes sense. No, I, I agree with that, really. Um, it, you know, we, we made changes, um, gave a lot of our key players a break. Um, was it wasn't an, an entirely reserved side. I mean, there were some... Um, you know, notable names in, in the lineup, in the starting lineup, Woodman and Goal, Cabango at the back. You had uh, Norton there as well, uh, who plays quite a lot, gets quite a lot of starts. Uh, Fulton, um, I can't remember if there's anybody else I'm missing off. So it, it wasn't as if we uh, we just put out the put out the kids and, and that was it. Um, like you said, a very early goal. Um, I thought it was it was a well-worked goal, actually. The ball down the uh, wing for Danda, he um, very cleverly, kind of tricks the defender into sliding in and then puts in a, a decent cross. I'm not quite sure how Wayne Routledge wins a header, but but he does. And um, let's just start off talking about Wayne Routledge. It's now 10 consecutive seasons that he's uh, that he scored a goal for the Swans. That That's a pretty fantastic record, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, when he's day and age of uh, a lot of players moving around, actually, you play for a... Uh... A top side where you know you're not going to move because there's not many options type of thing. There's you know for a club like us now, there's obviously he is the longest serving player by by quite a distance, isn't he? So yeah, he's, he's contributed a lot. I mean, he's not played a great deal this season, and I think if I'm honest, this is going to be his last season because, like I say, he has barely played. And when you look at it now, we're not playing with wide players, and he is I think he's 36 as he just turned. So. I mean, you've got to look now and think this is probably it for him. But he's still probably more than valuable to have around the place, and I'm sure there'll be a job for him afterwards. But yeah, to score in ten successive seasons, it's uh, you know, it, it's pretty good. But if we're being honest, I mean, if you for a, a wide man to be here for ten seasons, you would like to think you'd get on the score sheet at least once in every season, really, wouldn't it? Well, in fairness, at the age of what is he, 35, 36 now, that's uh, I'm amazed he's getting on the score sheet for anybody. But um, I, I'd love to know if anybody out there knows who was the last Swansea player to to achieve that feat to score in ten consecutive seasons. You, you'd have to go back a long way, surely. Um, yeah, that's a good question because we've had a lot of players that have done what that type of uh, 
service, but they've been more defensive players, haven't they? Like Leon Britton's yeah. was in the playoff semi-final, which is 10 years ago this year. So yeah. he went the last six, seven years of his career, didn't score. And I'm assuming the likes of Monk and Tate wouldn't have done it. So, yeah, it's, um, that would be... If you're a striker or a player that does, you know, score goals on a regular basis, then um, uh, you, you usually off. I mean, actually, come to think of it, is there a chance that Nathan Dyer would have done it? Uh, obviously not, because he went to Leicester, didn't he? He went to Leicester in the middle. Bro, yeah, bro, I got a feeling even in those little, you know, the year he did his Achilles, that's the year we went down. I he barely played, did he? Didn't he score in the cup against Notts County? Um, I th- actually, I think that was the. Uh, I'm wrong. He did his Achilles the year before that, and yeah, he? actually, then he played, and then yeah, you are right in that cup with Moss County. He did so. I think Dyer may have scored in you know eight or nine seasons. Definitely, there would be that one missing one there from yeah. uh, for him, which is a bit of a, a shame, really. Yeah, that would have been a, a good record for uh, for him to have, but it's one of those things. But I mean, like you say, I can't think of many other players who've done ten years service. I mean, there's a in uh, in my lifetime, I mean Roger Freestone's the obvious one. He did ship in with a couple of goals. Yeah, but I don't think he could, I don't think he scored one every season. Yeah, <laughs> he absolutely did not. Uh, Chris O'Leary again. I was thinking O'Leary. He popped 10. up. He popped up with the odd goal every now and again, O'Leary. But would he have scored in ten consecutive seasons? I'm not sure. I'd say there's no chance. And then the other one who uh, springs to mind is Keith Walker, who was here for most yeah. of the nineties. But again, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, the the problem is, I suppose, when you look at it. I mean, strikers, if they're quite prolific goal scorers, they tend to move on, really, don't they? So then that chance of someone scoring in 10 successive seasons seems a lot less. I mean, I'm trying to think maybe Ivor Allchurch may have done it. I think he didn't leave the Swans in his first spell until he was about 29. So that yeah. obviously does give him a chance, and it is a, the top scorer in our history by you know a very big distance, by about 50 goals or so. So he's probably the most likely, I would think. Yeah. But I think of many others who would have. We may have to go back all the way to the 1950s. That's mad, isn't it? But, um, yeah, a great, great um, feat for uh, Wayne Routledge. And like you said, Steve has settled the nerves. Um, and then, of course, we we set, we saw, well, got the second. And, um, and and I think as soon as the second one went in, we were pretty um, we were pretty calm that, uh, about it. I mean, it, it was a goal for Victor Gjokeresh. Um, it may very well be his last uh Last involvement involvement for the Swans. I mean, he's he's taken a little bit of criticism of late. Um, I, I I'll be honest. I didn't think much of his performance against Stevenage. I was really hoping that he'd you know have a real impact and show that he was worth worth sticking with and worth giving worth giving further opportunities to. But I I didn't think he had a great game. I'll be honest. I thought he was sloppy. Made poor decisions. Um, and just didn't really have the kind of impact that I thought he would. I, I don't know if I'm being harsh there because we should really be praising him when he's, you know, got got on the score sheet for the first time for the club. Yeah, I, I wasn't impressed to be honest. With you. Um, seemed to give the ball away a lot from from what I remember. It was a, most of his efforts to, yeah. on goal didn't seem very good. I remember there was one towards the end of the first half, in which I think it was a long range shot. I mean, you're not always expecting people to score them, but. I think the phrase high, wide and not so handsome springs to mind. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't a great Kjorkeres uh, performance. I think if we're, you know, we, we can't deny that. Um, I think he has struggled, doesn't he, during his time? He hasn't had a lot of minutes. That's, uh, I mean, that's also true. But, I mean, you're looking for him to shine in a game like that. And obviously, like you say, he did get on the score sheet. And it was after that, I was thinking to myself, 
you know, c- can he improve now? He should have a little bit more confidence. And I was thinking this could maybe be just what he needs. But even after that, really, it wasn't great. And I mean, if you look at it, he obviously gave away the penalty as well with a very clumsy handball, which wasn't impressive. Was, so, was it Gresh who gave away the penalty? I mean, he definitely did handle it. It, it, you know, it, it. it there's no arguments if if that was the reason he was given as a penalty, but there was also a bit of wrestling from Ryan Manning in the box. It was one of those scenarios where the referee had had his pick really of fouls. Yeah, I think you'd have to say it was probably for the uh, the handball, or at least that's what it probably should have been for. If it was for the shove, it did seem a, a bit harsher, I thought. But um, you know, either way, it was it was poor, wasn't it? It was uh, you know, it wasn't great, and that that could have. You know, undone our uh, good work, couldn't it? I mean, there was a if the penalty had gone in, there was enough time for uh, for Stevenage to get an equaliser, and then we could have had extra time, which is something that we definitely didn't want. So, yeah, from Gorkares, it it wasn't the best. Um, you know, he, he didn't really inspire, and uh, I don't think anyone would be clamouring for uh, for him to make an appearance uh, this weekend. Thankfully, uh, that handball did not cost the Swans because uh, Freddie Woodman just has this knack from penalties. I mean, it's such, it's so good, isn't it, to have a goalkeeper that you actually think can save a penalty. I know we, I, we, I, I remember back the days of Doris of Reese, for example, where if we had a penalty given against us, you just knew that was a goal. You you knew there was there was no way he was going to save it. I think he saved one penalty uh, in the, the whole time he was here against Leicester. Um, but apart from that, every single penalty went past him, and usually he he dived the wrong way. Um, but with Woodman, it's the total opposite. You'd actually you actually think every single time the opposition gets a penalty, you've got a decent chance of saving it with with him in goals, and it's it's one of his biggest attributes. Yeah, definitely. Yes, I mean, you, when you look for a goalkeeper, you probably don't look at their their penalty record as such. It's, it's just a bonus, really, isn't it? But um, it, it is a hell of a thing. Like, like say, four saves from from seven penalties facing. I mean, to have anything like if over a fifty percent save uh, ratio is crazy, really. I mean, you, I don't know what the stats are with penalties. I'm assuming something like four out of five probably are scored every time. But I mean, to save four out of um, out of seven is you know, it's a bit special, and the crazy thing was that was the first time he saved the penalty, and um, we've ended up uh, winning the game, wasn't it? I think on the times he has saved the penalty, we've we haven't won, which is uh, quite bizarre, really. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know full credit to him. It's uh, you know he's probably got to be one of the best around in the country, I'd say, at saving penalties with a record like that. I mean, it's I can't imagine anybody else has got um, uh, anything as good as that, to be honest. I mean, like I say, over fifty percent is is crazy. Yeah, and and it it's not just luck as well. You can see that he does study, um, and 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 he he reads the penalty taker very well. He, I think a lot of the ones that he hasn't saved, he he's dived the right way and has been um, pretty unlucky with them. So, um, you know, it it's yeah, it it's uh, it was a good day for him on uh, Saturday. I think it's uh, fair to say that he was our man of the match. Um, what that says, that when your goalkeeper is the man of the match against a League Two team, I don't know. Um, I mean, the most important thing, I think, was was just winning that game, getting the result. Um, but we did give run-outs to uh, a couple of uh, fringe players and a couple of youngsters. Did did anybody stand out for you out of those players who, who were given a, a rare opportunity? I've got to be honest, nobody, I, I, I didn't think anybody was brilliant. Um, I mean, I was hoping that Jordan Garrett was going to, shy really and he didn't obviously set up the second goal but 
I didn't think he was brilliant, really. I think there was that was by far his um, his best moment. I mean, the likes of Routledge were solid. I thought George Byers did a reasonable job, considering obviously that he's not uh, played for quite a while. Um, so that was always going to be a uh, tough for him, really, especially when you're not playing for six months. I mean, it's going to take time, isn't it, to get up to up to speed. So I never expected him to be brilliant, but I thought he did a reasonable enough job. I would say Woodman probably would be the the standard one, but obviously he's first choice anyway, really. So I think, in truth, it's a bit of a shame that the the players that were given a chance, I don't think they massively grasped it. I don't think. Uh, Steve Cooper will be uh, thinking to himself, oh, someone's massively knocked my door here to try and uh, change the team next week. I think he'll be uh, you know, reinforcing the views that he's already got about who um, should be playing. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I don't think anybody really put their hand up and demanded that, that Steve Cooper pay attention to them. I, I, I'm like you. There were a couple of players that I really wanted to see have a good game. One of them was Garrick, who just hasn't played much at all this season. And was a player who, when he first burst into the first team, you thought this this kid's got potential and he could actually do something. And um, on the whole, I just don't I don't think he's I definitely don't think he's kind of developed much since he got those first few appearances in the first team. And he's, he's probably regressed a little bit. Um, I don't I don't think the playing style and the formation that we play helps him obviously. But I thought I thought Garrick showed a couple of nice. Nice little moments. I mean, he, he did very well for our second goal. Uh, and, and he had the odd flash, which, you know, made you see again, oh, yeah, he does have that in his locker. But but I was a little bit disappointed that they were only flashes, really, and that we didn't see more from him. I think he was the closest one um, to, to being a real positive out of all the, the fringe players that, that, got a, that got a shot. I thought he, um, just because of those little moments that were um, pieces of quality, I thought, I thought he just had the odd, the odd glimpse where he stood out. But other than that, I can't say he did. I was a bit disappointed as well with Jan Dander. Um, I, I mean, he's, I, I think he, earlier on in the season, I was looking at Dander and thinking, oh, Finally, you know, the player that we've been waiting to see is finally turning up because he had a string of games where he's really, really good and ran the game and, and got forward, you know, linked up well with his teammates, etc. and was a real threat. I'd, he's just dropped off the radar a little bit over recent months. And against the League Two team, I wanted to see him take control of a match and really run it. And, and he didn't really do that. I thought there were some poor decisions from him. I thought like his execution on a few things wasn't there. Looked a little bit casual in the way that he was doing some things. I, I'd have liked to have seen him really dominate that match, but 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 he didn't. Um, as for George Byers, I, th- I thought he was. Um, I thought he looked a little bit sloppy and a little bit off the pace, but that's to be expected when you're coming back from an injury. So, you know, I, it's going to take time for Bayers to get back to full strength after being out for a long time. Um, so that that's understandable, really. But, um, and you know, other than that, I, I don't think anybody really stood out as having a great game. There were some OK ones, and, and that was a, about it, really. But... I mean, the the main thing for me, Steve, was that we just needed to avoid an upset against Stevenage. Nobody wants to lose to the team that's that's you know near the bottom of League Two, the team that had taken fewest points out of the, the all four top divisions in 2020. Um, you know, it would have been embarrassing if we had lost them. Um, having said that, I I can't say that I'm 
massively feeling FA Cup fever at the moment. Um, I, I, I can't say that I was over the moon to get through either. There is something about this year's FA Cup um, that with a packed schedule and, and us riding high in the league, I can't pretend that it's a major priority for us. And if we had lost to Stevenage, uh, aside from being annoyed and a bit embarrassed that we'd lost to a, a, a League Two team, I don't think it would have been the end of the world either. No, I think I'm on the same wavelength as you, really. I mean, you don't want to lose to a team that's, you know, pretty poor, if I'm being honest, although I didn't think they played too badly at the weekend. I mean, it's you could do without that, really, couldn't you? I mean, I think it would have been better for us almost if um, we'd drawn someone reasonable and, uh, and gone out and then... Obviously, you can just concentrate on the league. That's not usually the type of attitude that I've got, if I'm honest. I do quite like the FA Cup. I an FA Cup run can be great. But when I mean, there's no fans there, um, and obviously, it's such a compact schedule, and we're in a good position in the league, you just think this probably is a year where you know we're not that bothered by it, and we've got other priorities. So, I mean, you, you look at the cases where it's, and we're going to go on to talk about it a bit, the whole thing with COVID and football, but... Um, I mean, there's so many games getting called off. We've been quite lucky at this stage. I mean, saying that we were to end up having a few called off, I mean, you could end up with a fixture pile-up and the FA Cup isn't going to help in that uh, that sense either, really, is it? So I'm, I'm not feeling uh, the thing for the FA Cup this year. I mean, uh, next year might be different, but, um, yeah, I think this is a year where, you know, I, I can happily leave it, if I'm honest with you, but at the same time, I didn't want to go out to... A lower side. I mean, if we grow up to Nottingham Forest, it uh, it won't be as bad, should we say? Yeah, and before we move on to just have a quick chat about Nottingham Forest, I I actually thought Stevenage were were pretty pretty good for for the considering their league position. I thought you know they were sloppy at the start and that gave us the advantage. And that's the one thing you can never do uh, against us is give us the first goal because we are very dominant when you do that. But but I thought they um they they. Pass the ball around okay uh, at times, and um, you know create their chances. And I, I don't think they looked like a team that was um, you know threat circling the circle circling the plug hole at the bottom of the football league. Um, so you know, in, fa- in fairness to them, I've seen far worse teams down uh, at that end of of League Two. Um, I mean, for Forest, it's 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 a miserable FA Cup draw. Nobody wants to draw a team in in your own um, in your own league but it does give us the prospect of uh, a fifth round tie if we can get past Forest uh, against Man City or Cheltenham Town um, we've had memorable fixtures against both of these teams in the past um, I, I'd say probably more likely to play Man City Steve am I being unfair in saying that no I, I don't think so I think uh if Cheltenham uh, managed to upset the apple cart, then full credit to them. But, uh, you know, I think that's uh, that's very unlikely. Man City have taken all the cup competitions very seriously as well, haven't they? They've not like they've, uh, they've rested people. I mean, they, they're the full team out more or less against uh, Birmingham at the weekend. So, yeah, I think if we uh, if we get through, we'll have that, uh, that chance for revenge. I've seen a lot of people talking about, but... Uh, I'm not convinced the Lightning would strike twice. Uh, I think the chances are we uh, we wouldn't run them as close again. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, we'll have to get past Nottingham Forest before we uh, expand on that chat. Um, but uh, the important thing is this one's through to the fourth round, and uh, we'll uh, well the the cup run goes on. Uh, in the meantime, though, uh, there are off-field issues to discuss. We are in the middle of a. Uh, of, of a transfer window and so far Steve it's um, 
it's not exactly gone well for the Swans. I mean, last week, I think we were talking about Michael Obafemi, um, and uh, that that deal quickly got scuppered because of an injury he picked up um, with his parent club, Southampton. And uh, in, in the same week, we, we, I mean, we lost two lone players. Um, one of them was... Uh, Obviously, Casey Palmer, who has had a sporadic impact since arriving at, at, from Bristol City. Uh, the other one was Morgan Gibbs-White. Uh, I think we were a lot more disappointed to see him go than, than Casey Palmer, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the Palmer one, with it happening first, I think everybody was a bit like, well, OK, he's done, he's done a reasonable job for us. But, um, you know, he wasn't going to play so much because Gibbs-White was coming back and obviously he wasn't in the team anyway. He was damned there was more playing than him or we were playing with the three deeper midfield players. But obviously then when we got the news that Gibbs-White was going back, I think I was then a bit more frustrated that we had lost Palmer. But yeah, to lose Gibbs-White is, um, is a real blow, I would say. He's uh, he's too good for our level. And we've been unlucky with that in the fact he's only played six times for us because I think he would have been... Uh, you know, a big player for us in the second half of the season, the cliche of uh, like a new sign-in, I think. Yeah. Uh, he really would have been that good link man between the midfield and the attack. I think he'd have chipped in with a few goals. He's He's got a great eye for a pass and um, it's it's really disappointing that uh, they've recalled him. I mean, I think it's fair enough. I mean, the fact is he's he's been in the starting 11 for Wolves tonight against Everton. So, you know, it's not like they've marked us around or anything. And the fact is he's, he's their player, isn't he? They can... You know, they can do as they please, but it is frustrating, isn't it, from our point of view, because it does seem like a pretty tough window now to bring players in. I mean, with a lot of clubs, you know, picking up injuries and um, obviously wary of potential COVID breakouts. I think clubs are carrying bigger squads, aren't they? So I think they're going to be more reluctant to let players go. And um, it's going to be difficult for Cooper to try and... Uh, Weaver's magic really and bring a few in, but hopefully we'll be able to do so. But it's it's difficult in it to not be really frustrated by that Gibbs White one because I think there was real potential for him to have been even the star man in the team in the second half of the season. But I mean to end on a positive note, we've done very well without him, so hopefully we can continue to do so. Yeah, exactly. I mean I mean the, the chat last week was was basically you know who who makes way for for Gibbs White to get back into the team? You know which which of Fulton Smith and uh, uh, and Grimes you know loses out because they've all been doing so well. Um, so I mean you know that it, it it it's not as though we're massively weakened by the fact that he's that he's left. But like you said, it would have felt like like a new signing in the five minutes or so they had on the pitch against against Watford. He looked so fresh. Um, you know, just just so aware, and, and just his touch looked so good. You're thinking he could make a real difference in the second half of this season. He's the kind of player that that other clubs maybe don't have. And um, I, it, it was really frustrating. I mean, we can't really complain. We've done something similar to Newport um, in bringing Brandon Cooper back, um, who's been phenomenal for them in League Two, quite possibly the best centre back in the division so far this season. But of course, we've got we've got problems at defence at the moment with injuries. So, you know, we could use the numbers at the back. So he's been brought back, and and across the league, you're seeing a lot of clubs um, recall their their lone players. Um, 
So, you know, Gibbs-White is not the only one. Um, it's something we've got to accept. He's not our player. He is Wolves' player. We were just borrowing him. But there's something so frustrating about the fact that he only played four games at the start of the season before getting injured. And then just as he's coming back, he gets taken back to Molyneux. It, it is frustrating. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Joe Roden's played more minutes for Swansea this season than um, than Gibbs White has, um, which which tells you a lot considering Joe Roden went in the last transfer window. Um, but there we go. That that that's football. I mean, the the worrying thing, I guess, is that there's no real sign of other incomings. I mean, if we look back to last January. Um, we, we had the likes of Brewster, Gay and, and Gallagher arrive very early in the window. They were obviously lined up um, long before January to, to come in. Um, and, and well, Obafemi may have been one of those two had he not been injured. But other than that, uh, it doesn't seem like we've got a lot of, lot of players lined up. And, and like you said, you know, teams are going to be less keen to to send players out on loan now because they'll they'll want to retain as big a squad as they can in in a time of um, you know COVID outbreaks and and injury crises. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's I can't really think of a, a tougher window. I don't think to to bring players in. It, it feels like hardly any deals have even been um, been done yet. Really, I mean across the the divisions. It's, I've never really known it um, so quiet. I mean, you're even looking at someone like Liverpool, who I would say are pretty desperate to sign a centre half, and even they seem to be at the you know a bit strapped for cash, I should say, in terms of what they maybe would usually do because they're playing without crowds. I mean, that must be factored into a lot of the clubs in um, the lower divisions as well. So, yeah, it's it's a strange window. I mean, uh, you're really going to see hardly any action, I think, and um, it's going to be challenging for for everybody concerned, and I think. What you're going to see more of in general is clubs loan players out, calling them back, which is what we've we've seen already. And of course, we've done that ourselves, haven't we, with Brandon Cooper because of our potential um, defensive injuries. So it is going to be really tough. And I mean, I don't know if there's any unattached players out there, but the fact is, if they are unattached at this stage, obviously, I haven't played for a long time. I mean, you're looking at Nathan Dyer and I'll say we should bring him back, but if anybody took him out, I mean, he hasn't played, as he, for such a long time? I mean, it'll take them ages to get their fitness up. And the games are just so thick and fast. You wonder if it, it's worth taking anybody, um, you know, who doesn't have a club, really. So it's, it is going to be very difficult. Um, but hopefully we can, you know, we can do something because that really could make the difference for us as, um, as the season progresses, really, couldn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, just to show how like abnormal it is, um, Preston signed Ben Whiteman today, or at least it looks like they're going to sign Ben Whiteman from from Doncaster, which is, um, you know, potentially a very good signing for them. But but the fact they spent one point five million on him just kind of set me aback a little bit. I, I was like, whoa, hang on, Preston spending one point five million on a player like it it just felt totally abnormal for a Championship player to even be spending that amount, an amount which would have seemed pretty normal um, not that long ago, but that's the situation we're in. Um, what, one player that has left the Swans um, for the time being, one player that was uh, uh, clearly unwanted by Steve Cooper was um, Declan John. I think it's fair to say that this is a signing that, that just hasn't worked. That he's probably brought in after relegation as a backup left back. Um, but, but he's... 
you know, I, I don't think he's even been a backup, um, like a number two choice uh, under under Steve Cooper. He, he's fallen so far down the pecking order. Um, and and I, what, I, I just wonder, what what are your views? What what went wrong with Declan John? Because I, I don't think he's the best player in the world by any means. I don't think, you know, we, we ever believed that he was going to be a world beater. But there were times last season when, when Jake um, Bidwell was you know, playing poorly, let's face it. And and John never, ever got a look in. Um, I, d- I don't even know if he made the bench at all, you know. Um, and and I, d- I think we all felt at the time that it was a bit strange that he was just totally frozen out like that because I don't think he's, as as much as I say he's not a world beater, I don't think he's a he's an absolutely shocking player either. Um, and I, are you surprised that he's dropped down to, to League Two in Bolton as well? A little bit surprised he's gone to League Two, but at the same time, I mean, he's um, he's gone to what is arguably the biggest team in there, maybe one that can afford his wages more than the others. So that might have something to do with it. But I mean, I got to be honest, I was very uninspired when we signed him. I'd seen him play for Wales in the 21s a few times, and he didn't impress me. If I'm honest with you, I thought he was quite shaky. So when we brought him in, and I think we brought him in, didn't we? On that infamous day that we lost about four players, the likes of. Um, Fernandez, a Matt, Fur. Oh, no, it wasn't Fur, was it? It was, uh, I'm trying to think who they all were now. Um, Jordan A, you might have been one of them, I think. Yeah. It, it was the thinnest of silver linings on what was yeah. another was just, one really. I remember thinking to myself that we now have one centre half. We already had a left back in Martin Olsen, and we've now signed another left back. And I was thinking we've now got two left backs with one centre half. Did Klukas that day? Yeah, you're right. That was the other one, Klukas. I knew there were four that left in total on the day. So, yeah, when that came in, it was. A, I remember them. That was almost like them trying to give us a little bit of positivity. I thought, like, oh yeah, we've got one player in those things. So, yeah, a backup left back when we have one senior centre half. Is the most is the most unglamorous of signings, isn't it? We've got you a new backup left back. You know, it's like. You might as well say that you've bought the new dinner lady for the canteen. It's really just like, it's not going to get anybody excited, is it? No, it's not. And I think he's he's a bit unlucky in that sense, Declan John. But, I mean, I, he didn't especially impress me when I uh, seen him. He just, he just didn't offer a lot, is what I thought. And um, he's better off continuing his career for uh, lower down. Like I said, I think he, he probably could have gone to League One. But... Um, and he's gone to League Two now, so um, I think he's picked up an injury already, though, hasn't he? So yeah, a bit unlucky, but hopefully he'll have um, a bit more of a, a clear run of it. But um, it's funny, isn't it? Really, I mean, we've both liked uh, Graham Potter a lot, but that's, none of his signings are actually here now, or if they are, they're out on loan. And um, I have to say that was that's a pretty big uh, weakness from him, isn't it? Um, you know, whether he was had the final say on transfers or not, I don't know, but. At the same time, you look at it. I suppose Dando was his signing, wasn't he? So he's the only one now that um, that is still here. But yeah, his signings, by and large, they they've not worked a bit. Well, you say that he's the only one that's uh, that's still here. Obviously, uh, this week, uh, Joel Osoro returned to the club uh, from his loan in Genoa. Not uh, wanted, though, was he? Let's be honest. No, exactly. He's. Um, I, I mean, he, he. It was a weird loan in the first place, sending him to. Um, to a Serie A club when he'd made very little um, uh, impact at Groningen in the uh, in the uh, in the Dutch top top division the previous season. I mean, there's quite a big step up then from you know the Eredivisie to to Serie A. 
Um, so it was a weird loan from from the off, really. I don't know how much football he ever expected to get at uh, Genoa, but he didn't get any, and he's back now. And do you think it's it's weird at all that Cooper was so adamant, I guess, from the off that that Joel Osorio was not going to be part of his plans? I mean, I, I I don't know if something's gone on there, but I I thought it weird that he wouldn't even be up for consideration. And I, I'm just wondering, looking ahead, you know. There is a chance that we get some kind of like injury crisis um, at some point. I know Joel Soro is is way down the pecking order, but what if we get to a point where we need to include him, even if it's just on the bench or something like that? Is it really like? Isn't it counterproductive to then to have just dismissed him entirely and said no, he's he's not involved in our plans at all? Yeah, it probably is counterproductive. I mean, if he, if he's available, I mean, let's be honest, we are. He's more of a winger, isn't he? But I think he can play up front, and we are looking at that position. So, you know, he may have improved in the last 18 months. I've got to be honest, he hasn't impressed me uh, during his time here. Probably the same for you, really. He seems a bit like uh, one of those players with a lot of pace, but then no product at the end of it at all. So, yeah, it, it is a funny one how he's been like discarded um, completely. But if I'm honest, I, I wasn't too disappointed because I wasn't particularly um, impressed with him. But you know, stranger things have happened, haven't they? I mean, would have thought at the start of last season that um, Boyle Baston would have been in the team and would have been the top scorer in the division at the end of August. I know it didn't last long. He didn't sustain it, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. But the fact that he was even under consideration was, uh, you know, a bit of a miracle in itself, wasn't it? So, yeah. you know, stranger things um, have happened. I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to be interested in it, but... Um, you know, we'll we'll wait and see, won't we? But I mean, it, it does seem unlikely, doesn't it, at this stage? I mean, he's he's still only twenty one as well. I mean, we we have seen over the past few years twenty one year olds just just click all of a sudden, um, you know, and and suddenly they find their feet. You know, I I don't think Asora's shown much during his time here to suggest that he's going to be that type of player, but. At the same time, I do think there have been worse players than Joel Asora here, and, and he does have that speed, which. You know, alone can can be a, a, a you know the smallest of, of weapons, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a, a bit of a weird one all round. The fact that he went to Genoa in the first place, the fact that he's come back now after playing zero minutes, and the fact that he's um, just been dismissed out of hand by by his manager. Um, but you're right. It, it, you know, you look back to the signings we made in that summer under Graham Potter. Okay, it wasn't the the easiest of uh, summers to to make signings, but with the exception of, of Selena, who had a brilliant first season, but then uh, clearly didn't fit in with, with Steve Cooper. I, I don't think any of them really hit it off at all um, here at Swansea. So, you know, um, very strange one. Um, but um, we'll uh, we'll keep tabs on the uh, on the transfer window as it goes on. And, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what the Swans can, uh, can, can manage in uh, what is bound to be a very difficult January. Um, one thing, obviously, that makes transfers very difficult, as we've spoken about, is is um, COVID nineteen, and I think it's just worth taking a moment to to discuss the the um, the pandemic and its impact on football, because you know football obviously was was massively affected at the start of this pandemic. Everything shut down for three months. We we were left, you know, twiddling our thumbs on weekends looking for things to do because there was no football on TV. Um, but since then. I think it's fair to say football has been relatively untouched by um, the COVID crisis in the sense that we haven't seen any kind of 
large-scale outbreaks, which I think people are fearing um, uh, from from the off, really. But that does seem to be just changing slightly, Steve, because there are quite a few teams now um, who are having to postpone matches, um, who ha- are miss- missing numerous players and coaching staff because of um, COVID-19. Uh, Brentford, the latest in the championship to be badly affected by this, they've postponed the next two matches and suddenly have a fixture backlog. Um, and, and they're not the only ones. And when you look up and down the leagues now, there are a lot of man of games every single week which aren't being played. And that's leading people to suspect that maybe there could be a, a, a break coming up um, to, to kind of get football out of the firing line and allow allow things to be done safely again. Do A, do you think it it could happen? And B, do you think it should happen? It definitely could happen. I mean, I think we're, as, we, as we've been said so many times, everything is so unprecedented right now. I think you, you can't rule pretty much anything out. So, I mean, I, I do think that at the top level, certainly that it'll be a last resort because, I mean, there is mass testing, isn't there? I think it's only recently been agreed that that will happen lower down. And that probably has been a big part of the problem for the lower league sides because if they're not mass testing and then someone gets it, then obviously there's a chance everybody else will, whereas obviously even those at the top level, at least if they're picking up people without symptoms, then there's a chance they can isolate and um, it won't spread as easily. But, I mean, it has happened in the Premier League. Newcastle has an outbreak. Obviously, Villa have got one now. So, I mean, it is, you know, it's starting to cause problems, isn't it? I think, you know, we'd be naive to suggest otherwise. I mean, the Swans have been quite lucky and a couple of our players have gone down with it and they've all recovered uh, quite well by the sounds of it, thank God. So, um, but obviously we haven't had any games actually called off for it yet because of the opposition either. So, you know, it is, it's getting difficult, isn't it? Um, you know, should it should it be paused? I mean, if it, if it does get a lot worse, then maybe it should be, to be honest. But the problem is, I mean, we were discussing this before we came on, that obviously there just isn't much room in um, in the season, is there? I mean, there's, there's the Euros there as well. What are they going to do? Everybody's bound by TV contracts. I'm not saying that that's the most important thing. But unfortunately, the clubs will do that. that. That is the case. And I think they will, you know, only as an absolute last resort will they um, will they call things off, really. So it's going to be difficult, isn't it? It's going to be easier probably for League One and League Two because I mean, they could probably have a break for a little while. And um, obviously, they're not going to have players who are going to go to the Euros. So, I mean, they could, in theory, get the season done by the end of June because that's when most contracts expire. So if they have to push it back by, uh, you know, six or seven weeks... Then they could uh, get away with it, but it's a lot harder in the Premier and the Championship, I think. So, you know, what you you just don't know is the is the honest answer. But I mean, there there hasn't really been any hint of it at this stage being particularly close to being called off. So you'd have to think that it really is going to be a last resort if we are going to go down that route. And it might be a case of it'll only happen if you know stronger government rules come in in terms of um, of lockdown. So. And that, again, that seems unlikely to me. So I, I don't think you're going to see it stop, but it doesn't mean that it won't happen. I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I, I think football's going to need to be pushed into it um, more than doing it, you know, voluntarily because 
football has been pretty and, and flexible in, in some ways during this um, this pandemic, you know, the a real desire to stick as closely to the original calendars as possible, you know, kicking off the season in September when, you know, the, the previous season had only finished a month earlier and, and, you know, in the Premier League, you had teams in the Champions League in August and then kicking off the, the new Premier League season in September, you know, so it, it was a... You know, and and that just the the sheer volume of matches in a very short space of time. You know, the pressures that that puts on on players' bodies. Um, I you know, I I I don't get the desperation to to stick that rigidly to the to the original calendar. But now that that decision has been made, uh, you know, things work around that. Like you said, the European Championships are going to be in the summer. Apparently, you know, who knows if they will be played still and and in what format. Um, but that poses a problem for the Premier League and, and probably for the Championship as well, because there are quite a number of Championship players who will be um, hoping to play in that in that competition. And if the season clashes with Euros, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that the, the you know the national sides would would have priority and would be able to demand that the players are released, um, which obviously would not help a lot of clubs in. Um, in the championship, particularly up the top end of the league, um, it's less of a problem in, in League One, League Two. And I think, you know, when you look at the state of League One right now, for anybody who's not up to date with it, only Burton Albion have played all of their fixtures to date, all 23 matches. So they're the only club in League One that have reached the halfway point. So they've played 23 matches, but there, there are quite a few clubs who've played fewer than 20. And one of them is Accrington and Stanley, who've played 17. So that's six matches that they've had called off for various reasons. It's not just COVID, obviously there's weather, etc. But but still, that there are so many matches which are, which have been cancelled in League One, and and that means, of course, that they've got to be squeezed in then to what was already a totally congested second half of the season. So Accrington Stanley have got to find six slots in the calendar basically to play these games, and that, and that's you know assuming there won't be any more. Um, postponements or cancellations on their part, which we definitely can't guarantee. So where they're going to find time to play these matches before the end of the season, I have no idea. And and you have to ask, what kind of toll it'll take on players' bodies playing that that volume of football? Um, it's it is mad, really. But I think sometimes football can have this kind of sense of self-importance. Um, which isn't really deserved at the end of the day. As much as we say, you know, football is important to all of us, and God knows it's it's you know done a world of good for me during um during lockdown, actually having football to take my mind off things. You know, at the end of the day, if you've got players dropping like flies, you know, catching this virus, um, left, right, and centre, and then potentially passing it on to more people, you know, you do have to ask the question. Are we going to have a break um, in the in the coming weeks? Um, I definitely don't think it can be ruled out. Unfortunately, um, we'll have to wait and see. We're just you know spitballing at the moment, uh, hypothesising, but um, it it has to be seen as a possibility. But what kind of impact that'll have further down the line, God knows. Um, moving on, Steve. There are uh, the Swans are back in league action at the weekend, away against Barnsley. Uh, we're starting the second half of the season now. It's getting a bit serious. Uh, this one started second in the uh, in the table. There was a chance that we'd start at third, um, or even fourth, I think. 
Um, but um, Bournemouth tonight have drawn against Millwall, which is a surprise result. Um, so they've missed out on the opportunity to jump above us in the table. Uh, Brentford were due to play against Bristol City tomorrow as we are recording, um, but their matches are obviously cancelled. So uh, we go into the match second in the table and we're playing against a team who we've already um, beaten once this season. But I, I don't, I, I'd expect this to be a different game to the one that we played earlier on the season, which was, let's face it, an, an absolutely horrendous match of football to watch if you're a neutral. We won um, quite comfortably, but uh, the stat that will always, I'll always remember for that match is the pass completion rates: forty-nine percent um, pass completion rate for Barnsley, thirty-nine percent for Swansea. Um, I take it we're going to see some slightly better passing this weekend. Well, I would hope so, because like I say, their the startling stats of the pitch would have uh, contributed to that somewhat. But yeah, I mean, I'd expect a better game. To be fair, Barnsley are going quite well, aren't they? They're up in ninth in the table, which is you know a lot higher than they probably would have uh, expected to be. So it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be quite a difficult game for us. I mean, I'd, I know we're always, uh, you know, confident of of us doing well because of our defensive record. But you know, this this definitely isn't going to be a, an easy game for us by any means. Barnsley are quite a, a nice side to watch, but so that might suit us. I think they might come on to us and you know maybe open the game up a bit, which will hopefully suit us. But you know, the, this is going to be a difficult game, and obviously we've got two away games coming up now. It's going to be interesting to see where we are at the end of this because. Both of them are going to be quite tough, I think. But, um, you know, Barnsley, probably an overachieving side, I would say. Probably a side we'd have expected to have been lower in the table, really. But um, I think it's it's going to be an interesting one on um, on Saturday night, really. Hopefully, we'll have a couple of players back as well, won't we? Because I think the, the break for the Cup probably did come at a good time, as I said on the previous podcast, really. Because you know, we had a couple of injuries and we hope, hopefully we'll have uh, some of them back by um, by the time we play on um, on Saturday. Yeah, hopefully. Like I said, Barnsley, they're not a bad team. They they are, um, you know, open and, and and they, you know, go, try to attack. I don't think they gave really fair representation of themselves when they came down to the Liberty, when they were pretty toothless, really, and didn't didn't look like scoring at any at any point really um but i don't i think that's a an unfair um representation of of how they usually play um but one thing i will point out is that they um you know they're, they're remarkably consistent they they beat the 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 kind of the poorer teams in the league and they lose to to the better teams in the league they've lost to all 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 the top six teams they've played so far this season so um you know that that is a bit of a criticism from them it's a bit of the kind of bielsa debate of should you kind of adjust your style of play when you come up against the the better teams in the in the division and try to stop them from playing a bit um it's not something the bands are usually do and, and they can end up paying a price for it um but uh, one, one player which um, I don't think played in the last game um, but has had a fantastic season for them is left-back Callum Styles, and uh, he's back fit now, so that should make a difference. But we, like you said, have got a few players coming back, hopefully, from injury as well. So, um, and, and, you know, I, I surely, Steve, it's a, it's a case of trying to maintain the performances that we saw um, before the FA Cup match uh, against Reading in the in the you know when we were unlucky to draw and and in the fantastic win against Watford, surely that's what we're hoping to see from the side. Oh yeah, that's got to be what we're aiming for because we played very well in both of those games and 
we were unlucky not to um, take six points really. So you know we set the standard really, and that's what we want. I mean, if we you know, but I think the bare minimum what we're looking for is to be tough to score against, isn't it? That's our um, that's our biggest strength really. So you know, if we can go there and get a clean sheet, obviously we're going to come away with uh, some sort of positive result, aren't we? But you know, hopefully we can you know do some damage. I mean, Jamal Lowe has been on great form recently, for example, hasn't he? So. We'd like to think that um, we can go there and, uh, and get a goal. And like I said, defensively, we are very tough to beat then. So that will give us uh, a pretty good chance of, uh, of winning, I thought. So, you know, but we want to see, you know, ideally similar performances to the last two league games. I, mean, if we, I think if we play like that most weeks in general, you are going to win most of the games, I would have thought. And um, a lot of the players have had a break now, um, so you know th- there's no tiredness or anything like that. What, what's the, what are there any changes that you would make to to the team that that played so well against Watford? Are there any players that you would like to see come back into the fold? Probably not, to be honest. I mean, if Bennett is fit, then he should come back in. But um, other than that, I uh, I don't think I would make a change. Really, I mean the. What we've been doing has been has been working quite well, isn't it? With the three deep and midfield players, which in general I'm not a big fan of, but if it's working, then why change it really? So, you know, um, I would I think I would stick with it. I mean, Dan there, as you said, didn't impress against Stevenage, and people always think he might be a bit lightweight away from home, so I wouldn't pick him really. So I I think I'd uh, I'd leave things as they are. Yeah, I I I'd agree with that. I think you know, <laughs> at the risk of uh, taking the Neil Harris approach, don't change a, a winning team. But but I I think you know the the uh, the, the performance case Watford was so good. I'd I'd like to see us keep that. Um, can I trouble you for a uh, a prediction? Are we gonna uh, get uh, another win on the road this time against Barnsley? It's quite a tough one to predict this. Um, so I'm gonna go to my default of one one. I, I do you know what I, I think Barnsley they they'll be open, they'll give us chances. The form that Jamal Lowe's in at the moment, I think he'll appreciate that. I mean he gave them a torrid time the last time they played. Uh, his speed was way too much for them. Um so I'm actually gonna go for a repeat of um of the scoreline earlier on in the season, uh, a two 0 win for the Swans, albeit this time hopefully with some more entertaining football uh, than we saw the last time. Uh, we've got another match to look forward to then the following Tuesday. They come thick and fast. Oh, before we go on, can I just bring something up? Um, the match on Saturday, Steve, is a quarter to eight kickoff on a Saturday night. What is your opinion on that? Um, that's a good question, actually, with a quarter to eight kickoff. I'm not actually too sure um, I, I've always liked the half as five and I think you're sort of similar I mean a quarter to eight I think in it's obviously at the moment it doesn't really matter is it, because of the situation we're in but I probably wouldn't be massively fussed on um, a quarter to eight if things were normal because I mean by the time the game's over then it is getting quite late I mean if you're having a night out or something for example then you know you've uh, you've missed out on valuable time where you would be in the pub normally so Probably not huge in it, if I'm if I'm honest. I mean, away from home is probably even worse, isn't it? Because obviously you won't get back till till quite late. So I think it's it's one of them. It's quite reasonable if there's a game on at that time. I'm quite happy to to sort of watch it, but I'd probably rather not go to it. Does that make sense? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I, I I I'm I'm kind of torn on it. I can see the advantages. If it was a home game, um, I think it would be 
uh, a really good kickoff time. Um, I, I can imagine, you know, you go down, you spend an entire afternoon in the pub, and if you are still able to stand at the end of that, you can go watch watch the Swans then at uh, a quarter to eight. Uh, and then um, that gives you a bit of time to sober up then before you go out uh, in the evening. Then. So it um, it works out well, as long as you're not absolutely shattered by then. Um, away, that, that's a bit of a trek on a Saturday, isn't it? I, on the other hand, you know, if it's somewhere nice, and no offence to Barnsley, I'm not going to include Barnsley in, in this. Uh, there are worse towns, but I'm thinking more kind of, you know, there are some fantastic away days that you can have. Um, I'd imagine, for example, you know, you go away to somewhere like, you love Newcastle, Steve. I mean, if you went away to Newcastle and had an entire Saturday afternoon in the pubs there, and then went to watch the football in the night, and then went out again, I'm sure you'd enjoy that, wouldn't you? Yeah, within reason, but then you've got to walk up however many flights of stairs after a day in the pub. <laughs> Actually, that's a health hazard. <laughs> health and safety would not like, you know, thousands of drunk fans walking up those steps. My God. Um, but yeah, it's just an interesting one. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people. You get like three o'clock purists in football, the people who think, you know, football should be played at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, and that is the time for football. Uh, and I've always thought those people are sad because um, there are better football. There are better times than three o'clock in my eyes. Um, and I, I'm just wondering if quarter to eight on a Saturday evening counts as a better time to watch football than three p.m. I'm not sure. I still say obviously half past five on a Saturday is the ultimate time to schedule a, a football match. And if I had my way, all football matches would kick. Would kick well. Not all of them, obviously, but um, the standard time for a football match would probably be half past five. Um, that's that that would that may be my unpopular opinion uh, if we were doing one this week. But um, I um, yeah I, I I think quarter to eight may be a little bit late. But it's um, it's an interesting one. Let's see how it works. Um, it's actually a later kick kick off time than uh, the one we'll have against Black Blackburn, which will be on a Tuesday night. Um, that kicks off at seven p.m. Um, another team, Steve, that we that we've beaten already this uh, this season. Uh, this one was a good game and um, a good performance by the Swans, um, but one which could have gone either way. Blackburn are the league's joint top scorers. And I remember when we played them earlier on, the Liberty, they they had their chances, didn't they? Yeah, they did have their chances. I mean, the Tony Mowbray sides have always been, you know, uh, sides that like to get on the front foot and, uh, and like to create chances. So... I think that's what they did against us, really. I think they were, uh, it was, it's probably a game that could have gone either way. We did play well on the day as well, have our better performances. Um, but, you know, Adam Armstrong, for example, did have some chances, didn't he? So, you know, I think it's going to be, and that'll be a, a tricky one as well. I mean, they're, I think they're 11th in the table at the moment. So, you know, I think they, they probably leak too many goals is their problem. They don't seem to have a massive problem uh, scoring them. But um, I describe Blackburn as probably the ultimate championship team that you feel on their day could beat anybody, but they're also probably capable of losing to anyone as well. So they're, they're quite um, unpredictable. So it's probably tough to say how, how that one will go, really. But, I mean, you'd always like to think we'd have a chance of scoring against them. So a clean sheet really would be um, a, a great opportunity for us to uh, to win the game, I would think. But, yeah, they're, they're a bit of a, a funny team, like I say, Blackburn. They, uh, you don't know what you're going to get, I don't think. Yeah, and they've they've not been on the best of runs. Earlier on the season, I had a feeling watching Blackburn, like that their results 
didn't necessarily match performances and their defence let them down, but they were, you know, very exciting to watch. Um, but it does feel like the last few games that the kind of their form has has dipped. Um, I mean, they they won against Birmingham in the last game, but Birmingham were, were apparently awful, and Blackburn weren't weren't that much better. But you know, they've they've lost um, well, what four of their last uh, was it four four of their last nine games, something like that. Only one two. Um, no, it's more than that. But I, I mean, they're, they're just basically not in not in the best of form of late. And I think heads just may have dropped slightly before that Birmingham game. And they also lost their um, their recent FA Cup match against Doncaster. So, you know, and and when you look at the teams they've beaten this season, even though they've you know they've they've given a lot of teams a good game, they they've the high the highest placed team in the table that they've beaten. Uh, is Barnsley in ninth? So against the top teams in the division, you know they they haven't done that that well really. They've got a draw against Brentford, a draw against Middlesbrough, uh, but other than that, they've they've lost to all the top teams in the in the division. So I think there has been just a little bit of pressure on Tony Mowbray of late. I think a, a couple of fans of a few of the fans have just been getting a bit fed up of of the poor game management and and the lack of defensive solidity that they have. Um, nevertheless, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, I think they are the kind of team that has the attacking, um, the, the attacking ability to, to hurt any size. You know, and Adam Armstrong is one of the best strikers in this division. There's zero doubt about that. And they've also got Bradley Dak back, who I think makes a big difference for them. He's he kind of like a Michu figure. He looks a bit like Michu with with the long hair and quite a stocky figure. Um, but but he he plays a bit like him too. He gets into the box late for for kind of tap ins from from ten yards out, etc. That kind that kind of play. And I think he may make a big difference. But still, Steve, it's another game that you probably say, yeah, we should we should be looking to win this one, even though it's away, even though it's to one of the league's top scorers. The the way we've been playing recently and and where we are in the table, it it's one where we've got to target three points. Yeah, you would think so, wouldn't you? Um, I think if we, I think we probably have to look at it in terms of what is our aim now for the season. Are we aiming for top two? We probably have to say being second in the league at this stage. Yeah, we probably are. So in that sense, we probably need to be targeting four points from these two games. That's how we have to uh, to look at it. Really, I mean, it's it is ambitious targets, but that's the fact is it, it's hard to win promotion. So. That's how we we need to be winning, you know, these not all of these type of games, but we certainly need to be winning some of them. So I think Blackburn, like I say, if they're with them being on not the best of runs, we need to, you know, possibly take advantage of it. Really, I think that's that's the type of attitude that we we need to show because winning uh, promotion in the top two is really isn't going to be easy. It's going to need obviously a lot of points, and um, you know, from from games like this. You know, I think we we have to be looking at it and thinking a draw is reasonable, but we need to try and win if we can, really. Yeah, and um, obviously the you know that that match will come before an FA Cup match, where again presumably we would make a few changes, so not too much pressure to change the team. We should be able to put out the strongest available side um, to play against Blackburn. So two games here, Steve, that we can um, that, that we can really go for and. and you know, chance to chance to pick up points and um, keep up the pressure at, at the top end of the table. Um, can I pressure you for a prediction for the Blackburn match? Oh, that's a tough one, Alice. I'm not really sure. Um, 
I'm tempted to go 2-2 just because the last two years we've drawn their two walls, so I'm going to do it again. Yeah, I don't think we've got a great record at Ewood Park, have we? I th- something tells me we, we very, very rarely won there during... Um, um, I can't remember us winning there, but I was going to say, as I've seen there, we've seen two, uh, a two-all draw there the last twice. And also the time before, we lost there 4-2. So we... Uh, we do see the score there. It's amazing. We scored six goals in three visits, and we still haven't had a win. Yeah, they are, they are the kind of team that's that's always entertaining to watch, Blackburn, whichever kind of division they're in. Um, yeah, you, you know, it's um, it's you you're always guaranteed a um, uh, a, a good um, kind of a good bit of entertainment there. Uh, I'm just looking back through the records very quickly to see when the last time we won at Ewood Park was, and you have to go back all the way to 1971 for our last win at Ewood Park. That was uh, back in the old Division 3, and we won 2-1 that day. Um, so, yeah, we, we don't have a particularly good uh, recent record uh, at Blackburn, although we did win there uh, on another occasion in 1955 in the FA Cup 2-0. So, yeah, basically, wins at Ewood Park are few and far between. I don't think Blackburn are going to be pushovers, but a bit like Barnsley, I think they will give us chances. I think they will leave space for us to exploit. And, you know, we've, we showed earlier on the season, we've got the players to exploit them. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go for a, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put my neck on the line, say uh, we're, we're going to get two wins out of two from these uh, coming uh, uh, away games. And I'm going to say that we're going to get a 2-0 win at uh, Ewood Park. Am I being, I'm again a bit too carried away, Steve. Uh, maybe, but um, I think I've been more pessimistic than everybody all season, really. So, you know, I I do hope that you're you're right. But I mean, if we get six points, that really would be tremendous, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah. But yeah, let's be. I think you take four though, in the same way that I would. I definitely would take four. Yeah, I don't think you can t- you can turn down four from from two decent sides who are you know full of threats. Um, and um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but hopefully we can see a level of performance similar to the ones that we saw against uh, Reading and Watford before the uh, before we had a break in the league for the FA Cup. That's what we're hoping for. Hopefully the Swans can keep up that uh, pressure at the top of the table and keep knocking on the, the door of the Premier League. Well, thank you very much for joining us and uh, hopefully you'll join us uh, after, well, at the end of next week when uh, we'll try and get another podcast out ahead of the uh, FA Cup match against Nottingham Forest. Until then, thank you very much for joining us. Mm-hmm.